Hello, everyone. Welcome to Dismantling Justice with the Brooklyn Community Bail Fund, where we offer insight and analysis on issues affecting folks who encounter the criminal, legal, and immigration systems and provide a space for you to hear from those communities directly. At Brooklyn Community Bail Fund, BCBF for short, we work to free people from incarceration, whether it's prison, jail, immigrant detention, or surveillance, and work with our allies to end the carceral system. You can learn more about our work by visiting us at brooklynbailfund.org. I am Soli Israel, BCBF's Director of Special Initiatives, and in honor of Pride Month, we've been spending the last few episodes talking to our friends and partners who have been working on issues grounded in the fight for equality, justice, and civil human rights within the LGBTQ plus community, and we're going to continue that today. Today, we have the honor of being joined by Tanya Noel, co-founder and program director, and Chris Walker, co-founder and director of the Flower City Noir Collective. Uh, one, I want to thank you, too, for joining me and joining this podcast to share some of your insights. And I want to start by just asking you to share who you are, the work you've been doing with Flower City Noir Collective. And yeah, just jump right in. OK, hey, I'm Chris, everyone. Um, executive director here at Flower City Noir Collective, and we started as a grassroots organization. Um, and so a lot of that work looked like... Um, interrupting spaces that didn't have the inclusion um, of the LGBTQ plus community, specifically like black femmes. Um, and so that's where Flower City Noir came from as a bomb to, to that issue. Oh, hey, I'm Tanya Noel, um, other co-founder FCNC program director here. Um, and we've really been on a journey to even get here. Um, and it's been a beautiful thing as Angela, you know, it's like, going through the struggle and like seeing all the parts of it all come into what um, FCNC is, um, Flower City North Collective for sure, of course. Um, yeah, and I'm just super like grateful to be here in the space. Thanks for having us. Um, yeah, so we, our, our work is, is a wide variety of work from, uh, or from gardening or urban farming to um, consciousness raising through book club and like selling books to like being on the front line. So just creating healing spaces, you know, because um, it's all required to get us all free. Yeah. I mean, that's amazing. And again, you know, I've, I've told you before, I appreciate and, you know, really admire the work that you all do. And, you know, it's, it's you know, we, the, one of the reasons why we're having this call, you know, it's pride month and we're just trying to connect with people that's been doing the kind of work that you do and creating those type of safe healing spaces. And I'm wondering, you know, I've been watching TV. I, I, a lot has been, there's a lot of commercials on, you know, a lot of famous people talking about what Pride Month means. And it's, you know, and it's great. I'm wondering for you all, what does Pride Month mean to you in light of the work that you do and the accomplishments that, you know, you've been able to, to, to achieve and, you know, yeah, sh share, share with Pride. And listen, Pride Month means different things to different people. Uh, in inside of the community, the LGBTQ plus community, I'm just wondering, you know, I would like to hear your insights about it and how it connects to the work you're doing and maybe even how you've incorporated, you know, Pride Month into your work this, over this last month. <laughs> the first thing that's coming to my mind actually is the James Baldwin quote about what's like 4th of July to a black person. Like, mm. I'm not sure what Pride is to me as a black queer person person um, because it's so rooted in whiteness and white supremacy um, and there's been over the past couple years just like a emergence of black pride spaces that don't necessarily happen in this pride month so this pride month is like white pride month or like white gay pride month um, 
compared to the other celebrations that happen that are specifically um, and intentionally Black Pride spaces. So I don't, that's my opinion on what Pride means. Same thing. <laughs> I was going to say, like, June Pride is basically the same as Congress Juneteenth. Like, if we don't get reparations, it's just not the thing. And it's really, for me, it's always an educational tool around Pride being a riot, around the light, around sex work, around the lives uh, um, like the trans folks in our community, the folks that's like really like out there and stuff like, or, you know, the Marsha P. Johnson story and those sorts of things. So just around the history of it um, is really the best point for it for me, because it's like, it's a time to remind folks like this, how we got here, but it's a, it's a connection to like, it's always on the black backs of black folks, black women specifically, um, black queer folks specifically. And that's across movement, across the spectrum, really. Um, so I feel like that's really what pride is for me. It's just kind of a reminder uh, that's sitting in that. And it's, I mean, it is fun in the fact that it's more like black pride events happening. But again, they don't generally happen in June because we it's Juneteenth. You know, that's what we mm. <laughs> celebrating. Um, so. I'm I'm excited to see like the those black spaces that are coming out and those like actual inclusive spaces that are like coming forward. Um, but besides that, yeah, it's just more of a, a education point and a point to get back to like what's really going on. Like let's while everyone's making these rain like while we're looking at the rainbow capitalism because that like gets bigger and bigger every year. Um, it's like whoa, these same folks didn't want to have more. You know, like friendly bathrooms or whatever, but they could sell pride stuff, you know, just for general. So it's like if Chick-fil-A came out with a rainbow burger, you know, like, or I guess it would be rainbow chicken, but, um, <laughs> you know, like, it's really like, bro, you still don't like me. Um, you're just trying to make money off my back. So that's really pride for us. Yeah, I think that's like the current iteration of like June for for me is like it's just rainbow capitalism all mm-hmm. over and it's like honestly disgusting to be in work that requires folks to put their dollars um where their talking points are um so specifically in the work that we do like if any of these large companies would just fund you know our programs like that are directly impacting queer black folks right just based on the proceeds for this month like that would be awesome but that's not what's happening. And that, again, would be, to Noelle's, to Tanya's point, like, the point of more Black folks having to do the work to try to reach out to them inside their companies, get to whichever level. Um, it's just a lot of commercialism and also just like that. Um, I can't think of the word right now. But it's just, uh, it's like faux because it's all a facade. Like none of them are changing their corporate policies. Um, is their hiring practices any different? Who's checking where their contributions are going? And how are we as smaller organizations holding these large organizations accountable for what they're doing during Pride Month? I don't know. It just, it just become a lot. Wow, preach. <laughs> and I think the word, I think one of the words that fit in is called exploitation. <laughs> I think, you know, it's like literally just ex- exploiting the situation yeah. for economic gain uh, yeah. without any real serious commitment to like fostering change and support. And yeah. I, I think what you all, what you all hit at is, is super, it's important. And, you know, of course I had, a, I had a kind of similar idea, but it's not my place to like, you know, that type of analysis is not analysis. I can do. So I'm so grateful that you've made that analysis. Uh, 
And I, I think in addition to that, this question of, I think one of the things you raise is this question of the more spaces that, the more spaces that evolve, the more opportunities that, you know, people of color and particularly LGBTQ plus people of color have, are able to be marginalized. It's like all you did in celebrating mm-hmm. and, and, and creating this elaborate celebration and making it a month long, you, mm-hmm. you, you basically created more opportunity and interactions for people of color to be left out uh, mm-hmm. and, to, and to be silenced. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I mentioned before, I seen a lot of commercials and the one thing that struck me and maybe it struck me because I was like, you know, I knew we were doing this. We were going to try to do this, 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 uh, this uh, pride month spotlight collection of conversations is that as I was watching, you know, I watched TNT. I watched a lot of HDTV. Uh, I watched a lot of, you know, ESPN and all of these, all of these networks have people who are in some way employed by them or have a TV show and they come on and, they, and they're all talking about pride month. And it's, it's, it's a very, celebratory tone and all of them I've seen have been white and I was like mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. with that and what that means is either one you talking about you know economics and support either one you know black or people of color who are LGBTQ plus haven't got opportunities to work on these networks or haven't been prioritized on these networks and what you have is they put up who they have who happens to be predominantly really white gay men right mm-hmm. gay white men uh yeah, I mean, I've seen a couple of commercials that has some other stuff, but none of it has been like anything that I thought represented or spoke to, you know, the reality of what people of color and black people in particular face in the community. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and, I, and I'm wondering, with everything that you just mentioned about, you know, it, it's clear to me that you're very conscious of the fact of being left out. And, you know, those black spaces that, that counterculture of black spaces that happened throughout the year to create pride spaces for Black LGBTQ plus is 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 a strategy of you know finding places to heal in that marginalization. What I'm wondering is, in light of George Floyd's murder and all of the protests that happened as a consequence, and all of the mobilization of support in the black community and beyond, I'm wondering how, how as a as as a member of the LGBTQ plus community who is also an advocate and activist for fighting for human and civil rights. Like, how have you found that space in terms of navigating and having a voice? <laughs> well, I think because we're in this current time and it was already 2020 when it happened, we were like lucky enough to have already found our voice and made space for ourselves so that when this happened, we already had a platform and space to like do the work that needed to be done right and cultivate healing that Mm -hmm. was so desperately needed. So like last year, like (laughs) is a whole, uh, I don't know. It could be a book in itself really. Um, so it's a lot because we occupy like these like black women bodies to start with. Right. And mm-hmm. so it's like even when folks reference like last year, it's like with George Floyd, it's like bro with Breonna Taylor, you know. Mm-hmm. And so it's like just that just living in that. Right. So just like all this protest happening, but we still got to like remember to say her name, even with it being about her and even with like her being like the storyline to it. And all of that, right? So it's mm-hmm. like that already like caused tension in my body, right? Mm-hmm. And that's just with 2020. That's with all of whatever tension we already hold it. It's like I gotta make sure to speak up just because like this woman was killed and she's still for like 
behind them. Right. Um, and so it's that. And then it's like um, a bunch of folks, like a bunch of folks got killed last year. And then I want to say like some trans folks got killed too. And I can't just off top even say their name. And that's, that's the same thing, you know? Um, that's literally what I was thinking. Like, I'm sure just based on statistics that black trans women mm-hmm. still face higher man. rates of death or ever um, state sanctioned and interpersonal um, and not being able to recall their names right now. Right. And so like, it just highlight more, you know, like more of the work as we continue to like expand the lens and be more intersectional to be like, as we can say, George Floyd, as we can say, Breonna Taylor, as we can say, Daniel Crew, that we're also able to say whoever we need to Google after this call. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so it's, it's heavy on that. And then it's like, so we create healing spaces. Like that's the work we do. And so we had already spent the last five years, like just doing the work to acquire space to have space of our own so that we're able to like breathe and do the work and not in like struggle mode. Um, so like just doing the work to get there. So then we hit last year and it's like, then everybody need healing. Right. Because we, it was the uprising at the end of um, May um, when all of that kicked off. But then also we had um, the Daniel Prue case that happened here in Rochester. So like, that was like, just, it was a lot. It was compounded right. stress and trauma that over we and over kept intersectionally facing with like no no way to go about that and no like real resources that could address the community harm and the community like pain that was happening that time. So in our small way, mm-hmm. um, big ups though to Brooklyn Bell Fund because what we were able to do because like we do do healing work. We were able to provide a frontline fund where we supported like folks that had been on the front lines or mm-hmm. whatever to like provide them with self-care and stuff like that mm-hmm. and provide it with them just with direct like folks just had to say like what they needs was mm-hmm. and we was able to help them whether that was rent whether that was getting their nails done whether Sneaker. that was taking a trip like bruh you got pepper spray like I got pepper spray you need help yeah. like so yeah. let me help yeah. you because that's what this healing work looked look like. like and that was across and that's just one way you know right. like, that's just one way to address that collective um trauma and harm that was happening mm-hmm. um, because we're not getting reparations every day and it's like the police do the harm and it's like so Derek Chauvin got charged or whatever it's like where the apology and where is the reparations for every like the ripples of that and everybody who was affected because that we that hurt all of us like I didn't watch the video but it's like I done seen the same meme over and over like when he called for his mom he like all moms felt that or whatever so it's like just me reading that meme and like being a mother like damn like that shit hurt. Like now I'm hurt off, you know, like yeah. and it's retroactive trauma or whatever after the fact trauma, but it's it's still do a thing. And so for me, like, or just even in this work we're doing, we um started organizing around Mike Brown. Um and so for when I took that trip out to Ferguson, even in that, it was because like I was a mom and I could see my son in like Mike Brown. It's like, oh no, I don't that was my first time realizing like, oh, mm-hmm. I gotta do something type shit. Or I'm sorry. Um whatever. Uh because it's like, oh, this is this real is happening and this could be like anybody type thing. Like you just go into the store. Um, and so now it's just. It's so much. Right. Because it's like, again, Black Lives Matter is like commercialized in a way where it's like literally restaurants that we was knocking stuff over in, in 2014, 2015 got BLM signs up now. Right? With no, no reparations. Right. With no accountability with no demonstration of having done any work and so it's 
it's an interesting time and it's an interesting space to occupy. Um, and again, it's a lot of little fires and I'm not a firefighter all the time. So it's <laughs> like, where do I put the focus and the energy? Um, and so it's really holding space for our people. And that's like what FCNC is about. It's really about creating those safe spaces um, and making them readily available for folks um, in the midst of all of the chaos of the world. Also, we literally, like, we in the streets all year last year because of the kind of year it was. And it's like, literally, it's youth that's out there that's also also being put out of their home because they're queer, right? And it's like, then where is the space that create that's for them? Like, with all of this and with folks doing all of this other work. And it's like, you got to pause from this work you're doing to make sure this space is made and this bed is made and all of that for, like, folks every day, too. And it's like, nobody talk about the folks that's making the beds up or, like, making doing sure care they care, right, they care work. Um, and how much care work is required even after mm-hmm. after the fact. Um, and this, I feel like, lead back into the intersectional lens of which we organize, right? Because, like, though it's pride, a lot of our work as Black femme bodies, right, go back into care work and then taking care of whatever is happening and, like, providing that invisible support, you know, like, for folks. And I don't know, that's a lot. And I don't, like, making that connection to pride and care work while still saying that pride this month specifically isn't for us. It's just like, it's the circular conversation of like living in a crooked room, right? Like where we're continually told like something's wrong with us instead of saying like this system is actually crooked. Like the rooms we occupy mm-hmm. are actually crooked. Like pride itself actually need to be revisited in its current iteration. Um, to go back to the work of black femmes, right? To mm-hmm. to take that. And to those trade. unhoused people mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that's still in the streets making it down and yes. moving us all forward. Yeah. Because that's what Mark T. Um, Johnson was doing, was doing right. Right? Like housing folks and like really providing that space outside of social nets, outside of like familial nets, you know, and create this um, kinship based model of organizing and moving forward. And that is, I feel like the the best takeaway or like one of the best remembering of pride is like remembering that this actually is care work. It's all out of the love, right? It all go back to like making sure that folks are housed, fed, clothed, and able to make it through to the next day. Like, and that work still happens right now today in 2021. So like thinking of them at Stonewall, and before and what those conditions were and then fast forward into this time we got some of the same things and we're still fighting um with some of those same tools that they were using yeah yeah it's you know that that recontextualization of pride month around the work you know we, and now it's about celebrating you know but it was it started through the work itself mm-hmm. uh well i think it's important i think that you all hit on something that was important you know i've and, and a lot has been you know a lot of these talks the, the, the two Populations that come up a lot during the talks that I've been having around Pride Month and the work that's being done for social and, you know, civil and human rights. Uh, this question of, one, young people and support. And two, the vulnerability of certain, you know, the most vulnerable population of the LGBTQ plus community, which is usually transgendered, transgendered men and women. I think you all, this question of healing 
this question of, I think in a lot of ways, no one thinks about the fact that, you know, we all go out to these marches and we have these protests, which is, which is amazing. And everybody's involved, but not everybody has a place to leave to. Not everybody, not everybody mm-hmm. goes back mm-hmm. to a place that's safe. And I think yeah. that the work you all do is trying to acknowledge and identify those, that reality and then create, you know, a strategy for remedying that situation. Uh, and again, I, I can't say enough how much and how important your work is and, and how much I admire you all and thank you all for doing it. And, uh, but, and, and with, with, with that being said, this question of, you know, now that we have this over-commercialized month and, you know, the focus is not really on, like you all are trying to do, on a, on a question of healing and, and just wellness and making sure people have what they need to survive because for every for every person the LGBTQ plus community that's accepted, there are you know triple that are not. I mean, in their own homes. Uh, and uh, you know, for, for every person that makes it through the ceiling, there are you know hundreds that are like you know kept back for the very reason of who they are. So I, I, when I'm at, I guess with the question I'm asking you all, you know, you you all work with a lot of directly impacted people. What's the strategy for for, for revisiting those conversations? about, you know, what we should be focused on when we think about stuff like Pride Month and its origins and its legacy and how do we protect that legacy from becoming something different? Uh, you know, you, you mentioned, we, we saw it, right? Every every single corporation and every single major brand has a commercial that is really about Black Lives Matter or the movement for Black Lives. And it's like at the end, it's like, you know, we, we believe in this. It's like, yeah, but how does it look on the ground? How does it look beyond mm-hmm. the sound bite that you put on TV? Mm-hmm. Like, what does it look like in your hiring practices? What does it look like in, you know, your community support? What does it look like in terms of, you know, politically? Like, who are you, you know, what are you getting behind, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's the surface is good. And like you said, everybody, you know, Sony had 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 uh, had allocated, you know, $100 million for the global, the social global fund i might be saying it wrong right now and it's like all right how do we know who's gotten that money how they've gotten that money and when they've gotten that money you know what i'm saying how do we know how to choose who gets that money uh mm-hmm. you know what does it mean to give money how does it how do we turn you know money into in, into anything but just just money and i think that you know mm-hmm. which is you know part of why we're having this call part of how we created our relationship it was like yeah you know we would love to support you in the work but this support can't be limited to just giving you a couple dollars and telling you to go about your way Right, it just mm-hmm. can't be, not not mm-hmm. not if we have a whole lot of privilege, and we and 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 we, you know, the only way we could be successful is if we, you know, sacrifice that privilege, so that other people working in this work with us can get what they need to be to, to fulfill their mission with us. Uh, so I, I just said a lot, and I might have lost mm-hmm. the question in there, but I guess the question I'm asking is in terms of public education, how do we start having, you know, you, you I I appreciate how frank you were one about the Black Lives Matter movement and movement for black lives and how you feel about where it went and as someone the two of you who are on the ground in the beginning and see what it's evolved to and se- secondly the same thing with with pride month and how you identify it and how you relate to it and how you experience it in relation to being you know a, a black person and a person of, of color and, and a queer black person and and how you know in terms of your connection to it so i'm wondering how do we move the conversations forward so that we can reclaim and recover Right, mm-hmm. that intentionality, that purpose, and hopefully the efficiency and benefit of what these things represented and how it can be effective for us in our everyday lives. <sighs> well, for me, you gotta keep showing up. 
and that is tiresome. And I mean, you got to take time for yourself and really take real breaks and tap out sometimes, but also keep showing up. So I, if I go to like when I started organizing, it's like it's folks who just wasn't we just wasn't on the same page. Right. And so it's like you got to keep moving forward with those folks. And it's so easy to get tired with your people. Um, you forget who the actual like enemy is and who the real issue is with. Um, so I feel like it's continuing to show grace for your folks and bring them forward, right? Because it's like black folks is some homophobic folks, you know, and that's a real like reality. That's the thing. But it's like, I'm going to, you know, still try to f- figure out and work with them if we working towards like liberation, right? Because it's like, bro, it look like we keep showing up in the same place. Mm-hmm. So maybe we on the same page or whatever. So like, let's move forward. And that's it for me. But I also understand that I got privilege in that because I'm a mother or whatever. So like, um, it's just some privilege that come with that or what or whatnot. Um, so I try to levy that and showing up in these spaces that um, other folks could not necessarily feel comfortable in because it does take all of us in our community to take on like this larger mass that is all of these constructs, right? Um, and then I think just taking that time for yourself again, like it's important for us to heal ourselves and do our healing work um, and like stay on that path of doing healing work. Um, I think reading is super important or just like coming together to collectively learn and stuff. Um, again, if I'm talking about just like from then to now, like it was like, schismy uh and, and like movement it's always been schismy in movement spaces so it's not even like that's just a new thing or a thing that we just now coming to coming upon now so it's like important to just learn from the past and learn from like where it's already happened at so we could just try to meet folks at the table and kind of keep going um but also you got to know when enough is enough and when you just got to like pivot and move forward and again that's how we end up in this space because it was like all right I want to figure it out with y'all but also at the same time I really got work we got to do so we're gonna keep doing this work we doing over here and then when it brings us together it brings us together um but for me it's really just remembering that these white folks and these folks in power is are the problem um and it's you know it is our duty to um to get it done so you know that Oh, could you ask the question again? <laughs> just like, right then, was he had a long one? You had a long one. I was like, you, okay. you want me to go back? If it, so, so basically, what I'm asking is, how do we, you know, we talked about where the movement, particularly the movement for Black Lives, where it went, and how, you know, even that's been commercialized. And then we talked about how, you know, Pride Month, you know, has been basically appropriated and commercialized, and we've lost the sense of commitment to like, its initial purpose, which was healing and providing wellness and support for people who needed it in, in a space where they could be themselves. I'm asking, how, how, what's the strategy for like, how do we reclaim all this back? Like, how do we move back to, you know, bring things back to their purpose so that they can be more effective and efficient for us as a community? That's, that's I guess that's what that was my question. Mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm, it changed mm-hmm. a little bit. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. I think that's probably what I was talking about. Um, I would think just stay one is stay the course, like for real, just really do the self work, like the individual work um, to come into collective and movement spaces as your best full whole self. Um, and that way we could keep 
moving forward while also like honoring ourselves in this work, right? Because like so often we honor the burnout, we honor the I'm too tired, I got to make it to like five different things or whatever. Um, but just honoring ourselves and saying that this is ancestral work. Um, and this is work that we do our little part to um, and pass the reins on to somebody else to keep doing. Um, so I think that's like one of the, for me, a strategy is to really be intentional with my self-work um, so that I can come and show up fully as my whole self to these spaces. Um, Cause in showing up to my, to the spaces full, I'm encouraging other folks to do the same thing. Um, I'm leading the way through example. And I think that's another way. So in how organizations move and how individuals move, how we move as a community and collective, um, it's to really like hold ourselves up in that, like know that we're doing the very best that we can given the resources, given all the systems at play that be. Um, and maintaining that like space for grace, like honestly, are just real strategies I feel like are going to help us keep going, to help us recenter and ground ourselves in the work. Um, and like Tanya said, like really continue to identify who the real enemy is here, right? Like, and continue to fight this larger system um, that literally got its foot on our necks. Um, contemporarily, historically, um, and continue to keep that in the forefront. Um, it's nothing new under the sun. And it's like these problems not new, the system not new. None of it's new. Um, and it's just like doing the work to identify and continue to build schools in community, right? Um, so I'm a proponent of reading books in community and doing book clubs because it's something to read a book by yourself, right? But it's something else to like activate that knowledge with other folks with diverse uh, backgrounds and perspectives to then use that knowledge. And that is, I feel like transformative work um, that we could also tap back into um, and reading as a practice, but then also like audiobooks, um, hearing other folks read, like there are other ways to digest the information it's just in community we're able to make space for all of those different kinds of ways of ingesting it and then use that as a tool to continue fighting the good fight i think that was a great place to like well said and it's a great place i think to wrap it up uh mm -hmm. nah seriously i mean i don't think anything needs to be said after that <laughs> uh one again chris uh, Tanya, I appreciate you, and I thank you for joining us to have this conversation. I appreciate you, appreciate your candor and openness during this conversation. And uh, if you want, I mean, you know, I want you to, of course, share your, you know, where people can learn more about you, where people can connect with you, you know, your social media handles. Uh, yeah, please share that with our listeners. All right. You can find Flower City Noir Collective online at www.flowercitynoircollective.org. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at symbol FCNC585. You can find our bookstore on the internet at www.noirreadingroom.com and on socials at Noir Reading Room. You can also become a monthly su subscriber on our website and give whatever you like every month. And you can, all, again, find that on our on all of our social medias and our website, flowercitynoircollective.org. Um, I'm Tanya Noel.
across everything. Did, did you all practice that? Is that like, is that like you all been doing commercials or something? Like? <laughs> you <laughs> know, that sounded like that sounded like copy. Time. That sounded like radio copy right there. I feel like we're on like a sports talk show and like went to commercial and you all popped yes. in like that's that's what that just sounded like. Did you all you all been doing copy? Like have you all been what is this like? Is is that the, is that it? Like you scripted that? You got you hired a consultant? We've been in? working on our elevator <laughs> elevator spill, bro. We've been in meetings lately. Yes. Like, oh yes, it's been working. Well, listen, it's, it's working because that sounded highly. You know, I feel like I was supposed to pay off for coming to the studio and laying that down or something like that. Like the oh, voiceover, yeah. the voice. If I ever need voiceover work, I'm coming to get you all. Like if I ever need to do a commercial, oh yes, oh we got personality for sure. Okay? I already know. I already know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you can find me on Instagram at Over Here Healing. Okay. All right. So again, I appreciate you too. Uh, and for those of our listeners that want to learn more about BCBF and the work we do, you can visit us at www.brooklynbellfund.org. With that said, we're going to we're going to get out of here. Until next time, peace. Peace.